With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another VRL USA podcast. This is Alan, and today it's a one-on-one. I've got Robin with me from England. Um, good evening, Robin. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. How are you? Good. Good. So two two um, consecutive 2-0 wins and really pretty similar in that the second halves of both was almost like a training match, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was just a crazy, surreal experience, to be honest with you. And it, what was amazing was we were actually absolutely quality before the sending off even happened, you know. If anything, yeah. the sending off just slowed us down a bit, really. But um, in that last game, it was, just, it was just incredible to watch. I know a lot of people were kind of slightly nervous almost. We always are slightly nervous against Betis. I know they're not having the best season at the moment. They are, they are a great side to watch. And I think you could see elements of that and considering how attacking they were. But I think in terms of the actual team itself, I think he got the selection spot on. And one person that I think I really wanted to wanted to praise on Tavares, I thought actually he had an absolutely incredible game. And I think it really it showed because his defensive work was absolutely incredible. It kind of really showed Samu up a bit. I mean, mm. I know Samu had a great game the game before, but him not playing defensively, I, I, I liked what we saw. I liked the fact we had on Tavares on one wing and Moy on the other, and that was just. So defensively solid, you know, he made Albert Moreno look good. Um, <laughs> some stupid challenges, but hey, that's him. Yep. Uh, how, how did you find the game? Well, I think, I think the, um, the thing that was really interesting about it was that, yeah, I think that, I think the, um, I think the selection was, was quite good. I guess, um, Ibora has had a bit of a knock, so he was, he was out, but, uh, yeah, I thought that putting those two on the wings really pinned back Betty's a bit and sort of gave us control of the match early. And, you know, Betty's is a strange team. They're, they're a team that, that on paper, they, they always promise a lot, but somehow they, they seem always to be very unbalanced on the pitch. And I think that's, what happened was we sort of overran them um, early on. And then in the second half, as you said, I almost think that the fact that we were 11 v 10 maybe um, made it even, what I want to say, more um, laid back than we normally would be. But it, it both with that and the Valencia match, it's been interesting watching us manage 2-0 leads very well. Um, which is which is great. I mean, that's something that we haven't always done so well. Do, do you think that Kayak has actually almost kind of worked on that or changed his philosophy? I think it's almost like I, what I like is that he stuck with four four two in both games and not changed it. And mm. I actually think that's really helped him. To I think he's almost kind of in the past in the, the other games we were kind of 
switching too quickly from 4-4-2 to 4-4-3 or 4-4-3 to 4-4-2. And it was just confusing everyone, I think, really. But I think this has really solidified it. I mean, not to top it up, I mean, Pau, you know, Pau Torres and Raul Albiol. I think Albiol's got to be the signing of the whole, whole seat, like season for anyone, for any team. I think he's probably one of the best signings in terms of actually showing, um, what he, what he's done to change it. I mean, I think whoever in the club thought about signing him has definitely deserved, deserved their pay packet this year. Um, yeah, so I, I think we've, I think he's done, he's done really well. You know, I almost feel as though, the five substitutes is really an advantage for Kaleja because I think he I think he's sort of figured out that four four two is the is the setup that gives us the most flexibility where we put you know with with different players in that four four two and so I feel like he's sort of stopped tinkering with the formations and is more focused on managing the game with individual substitutions. And that, that seems to be working out well. I think it's interesting that when you look at the other matches in La Liga, you see that there are, we always use all five of our subs. I don't think that's true for most of the other clubs. I think I've seen some matches where players have met, where teams have made three substitutions or four, but you know, not five all the time. And I think Kaleja and maybe this is coming from his youth um, coaching background where you are trying to get more players in and out so you can take a look at them. He seems more comfortable making substitutions. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree on that. I think I think it has really helped him um, in terms of actually squad and also kind of realising tactically how what players can do and how they alter it more. He's got a better clue. Um, and what I think as well is the good thing about it in terms of rotation, we said this before, his rotation's been pretty good in terms of players, but also like everyone's getting a, getting a look in, which obviously keeps most people happy. And I, I just like, I like, I like seeing different players in different roles and different squads. One thing surprised me a bit was just before the build up of the game, we had a lot of commenters sort of saying a lot of people were very worried that Ibora wasn't in the squad. I actually, I mean, I, I think people know my opinions on this, but then I was kind of, I was actually, in a sense, almost kind of relieved just to see him out of the squad, not because he's played badly, but kind of for other players to really demonstrate that we don't necessarily need these sort of star players all the time. If we have another player coming in, it doesn't make that much difference. Like, I mean, for me, Trigueros replacing Ibora, okay, you lose the height balance, but then also with Trigueros, he has a better ball, uh, ball control of keeping hold of the ball. So what he loses in height, Trigueros makes up for it in ball control and, and vice versa. So, mm-hmm. um, I think we've really seen the best out of some players. You know, this is almost like not just helped Kayeka, but it's also helped the players. Do, do you agree with that as well? Yeah, I think I think so. I think that I mean there are definitely players where I, I know that people were commenting yesterday that you know why don't we get give Albiola rest? Why don't we give um, why don't we give Fernino some minutes? And I guess I my response to that was <laughs> was that you know you're I understand that desire but I think that you I think if if Chakla had been healthy he's been having like a back issue or something I think I think mm-hmm. if he had been in the squad we probably would have seen uh, him come in for somebody back back there Yeah but I don't think that I mean when you're when you're winning two nil you you've got essentially control of the game. 
that the only thing you can do that where you will possibly be second guessed, <laughs> you know, seriously, is if you start making changes and then then they come back and draw or something. So, you know, I think you probably if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I'm sure it'd be nice to get fair some minutes, but how important is it? In a, you know, if you're, if you're bringing him in for the last 10, 15 minutes of a, of a match, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think that, um, the, the strategy with Albiol basically is we're going to play him until he gets his yellow card and gets suspended, I think. Um, because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to really do anything else. And the fact that we're so thin at center back, I think if you, I think what you would rather do as a coach is if you know he's going to be out for the next game because of suspension or whatever, then you work in your practice sessions during the week with Bruno or Mario or who knows as, as a center back, but you don't try that for the first time in a game. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think with also in like, like, like you said, in terms of Albiol's position, it's not like we, I mean, we can't, we've proven that we can play without him, but he's one of those roles which he, he provides that leadership and that strongness and that kind of security to the whole team, possibly more than Pau Torres. Pau Torres is great, but he hasn't quite got that leadership quality just yet. So I think having him there reassures the whole squad. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, but then, yeah, so I agree completely. And uh, I, you know, I, I like, I, I agree with some, some of the comments. I like to see Fernino get in a game. I suppose tr- being a striker role, if you are 2-0 up, that's one of the roles I suppose you can sacrifice and change around a bit. Because obviously if you've got two goals, you don't really need to score too much, too more as, as long as the team's been strong and stable. That right. being said, um, I think having older players like Backer and Albiol consistently playing all the time helps keep up their fitness. Uh, I mean, not to be ageist in any way or form, but when you get to that age, consistently playing all the time helps you maintain a good, good fitness. I'm sure there's a lot of fitness people listening to this thinking, um, what, what, what are the bollocks he's talking about? But I, I generally think consistency when you get to that age does improve you. Um, yes. So and, and so, and, and so, you know, something like bringing Santi in, um, to a game where you really don't need him in there, but maybe for him, that's, that's a better way to go. Um, yeah, I think the thing that's been astonishing, um, we were joking about it before the, before the matches started up again, that, that maybe Virial was going to be one of the clubs that benefited from no fans because we didn't really get that much of a benefit from our fan base compared to some others. But definitely yesterday, I think was a match where you look at, you look at a club like Betis and normally, you know, that, that stadium would be, would be, uh, full of fans and, and they tend to be a tougher, um, club at home than they were yesterday. And so I think, you know, they definitely have, have, have suffered, um, suffered from it. Um, you know, I mean, of course it's unfortunate that with Barcelona coming up at the Ceramica, you know, you can imagine what that would be like if, uh, if we could have fans in the ground. Much less if we'd had fans in the ground to see that second goal against Valencia. I mean, <laughs> that, that was that was that was the most amazing goal I've, I've seen. I, I think it, somebody described it as a video game goal, and I think that's probably how I'd have to look at it. Yeah, I'd say a video game goal with a glitch in it to make it easier than it was. 
Um, it was just, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, fair play to Asenko as well. That was a hell of a pass. Um, but yeah, no, in terms of like what Cazola did and Jared, to be honest, when I look at it, I was, I was actually more impressed with Gerard than Santi. And I know that sounds very surreal, but for Gerard to actually control it and hit that as sweetly as he did, I mean, in this sense, and people are going to be screaming at me again for saying this, all Casola did was just sort of lift it up into the air a bit, really. I mean, pinpoint accuracy uh, and the way it landed and first touch as well, incredible. But I think Gerard's volley was absolutely incredible in terms of how much power he got on it. And just, it was just amazing. And Gerard has beyond impressed me this season. He's just really, yeah. I know when he first signed for us, we were slightly worried about it. And I think everyone can say, even if we look back on the comments, we're like, oh, what's, what's happening? But he's just absolutely shone. And I, I remember him when we, first, when we were down, when we got relegated and he was one of the star strikers. I remember rightly. And I was, I love, I really liked him back then. I was really surprised that we, we let him go. Um, but I'm not surprised that we managed to like. Get, I think we got in a buyout option, didn't we? And we got him from Espanol through that. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, I I always liked him. I I'm like you. I remember when he played in the Segunda. It was really that year was really the first year he he um he played for the first team. And um, I've always thought he was a striker or, or just a player who makes everybody around him better because he, his movement is off the ball is just phenomenal and his and I think his movement to anticipate things is as as we saw with that goal against Valencia is just incredible I you know I mean I agree with you that in the sense I mean both both were incredible I mean Santi you know looping back to be onside so that when Asenjo hits the ball you know he's onside and then, you know, sort of getting under the thing. You're right that deadening the, deadening the ball and, and directing it is probably something that you, if you're as good as he is, that's sort of second nature to you. I was, I was astonished at the, at the volley because when you, when you look at it over and over again, you see how hard, how much power he got behind it and how, how, you know, he had to time his run perfectly to stay behind the ball and, and yet, you know, lash that thing the way he did. It was, it was incredible. Um, well, that's what I was going to say because on, on Jared was actually on the run when he did that volley. I mean, most times when you're in a volley, you've got a standing foot on the ground and you're waiting for a corner or something like that, a little chip and you're at least standing there, but he was running onto a volley, which is yes. absolutely. Incredible. I mean, and also just just before we forget, thinking back to that when we were in the second, if you think about the strikers that we had there and then and compare it to now, so you had Gerard Moreno, I think it was Probert, and you had Uche as strikers compared yeah. to now. They got Alcacer, Gerard, and out of out of all of them now, Gerard is still the best, which is quite interesting. And I think almost Fernino reminds me more of Gerard than any other striker. So I'm not yeah. going to get too much hopes. So I'll never get excited about someone so young, but there are similarities between the two. Yeah. 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 I think, I think the, I sort of understand, I think Marcelino, um, wanted, you know, he sort of wanted the kinds of players he wanted. And I think, so loaning out Gerard made some sense. I was surprised when we sold him to, um, Espanol, but, you know, but thank goodness we kept some sort of buyback option because, you know, it's certainly, I think last year was very difficult for him because 
I kind of get the sense that he's just not a player who's real comfortable in the limelight. He's not a, he's not somebody who is, I think the, the, I think the, the price of buying him probably, um, put a little more pressure on him maybe. And, and then the fact that we got off to the start in the season that we did didn't help. Um, you know, I think he's, I think he's much, um, obviously he's much more settled in now and, and we're seeing what we, what we, um, thought we bought, um, last year because he's, he's just been phenomenal. And he even scored a penalty. It wasn't the world's greatest penalty, but he scored a penalty, which is not something that's been easy for him. He's not a great penalty taker, so. I think there was a, the stats and for once we, we're missing our stats king. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think they, I think they said that he's a top goal scorer in Spain, in La Liga, isn't he? And I think only one of those goals is a penalty. That's, that's an incredible achievement in itself. Considering like you, I mean, you look at most strikers, they've got at least, at least seven of the five, five of those goals are going to be penalties. Um, I mean, okay. it's like, it's like you look at the World Cup, you had Harry Kane. He got like the golden boot, but most of our goals were penalties. So it's not so much an achievement in that sense, but, um, it's incredible. Yes. I remember, uh, wasn't it? There was an African Cup of Nations a few years back where Wakaso was one of the top scorers and it was because he was the Ghanaian penalty taker. That was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you know, you never, you never expect him to lead, to lead anybody in goals. So yeah, it. um, it was quite uh, quite outstanding, and um, and I think the the thing that's it's still I mean a very tight run in. I think you know we know we're playing really well, but we have a very difficult schedule left, and there are still teams um, uh, playing that are um, La Real won today. Um, Hatafe are playing as we're recording this. Um, so it's going to be, you know, it really is going to be seven or eight teams fighting for six or seven places, I think. So, um, so it's still going to be tough, but boy, 16 points out of 18, you can't really argue too much. No, I mean, me, me and Zach were definitely wrong on, on one of the last podcasts when we talked about the points. So, um, I think we were anyway. I can't remember quite what we said, but I remember we were definitely underestimating what 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 we're expecting of it i think i think it's important not to get over excited by it obviously it's great we're doing really really well um and like i said we've got some tough games coming up but you know like it's i think it's the best way to go into it is just take it game by game and see see mm-hmm. what happens you know it, um it's great to see like santi and bruno back as well do you think will how do you think their situation is going to be like santi i mean it, realistically that might depend on if he stays i mean if we got to the champions league do you think it would – I don't know what his decision is at the moment, but do you think that would influence it at all? Do you think he would actually stay if we got him up to the Champions League? I mean <laughs> – Yeah, well, it's hard to know. I think he's he said that he has decided what he wants to do and he'll announce it when the season is over. And I guess I would um, believe that. Um and so that tends to suggest that what he does doesn't have anything to do with um with how Virial finishes the season. Um so I don't know. If we got if we got into the Champions League, I think he might think about it uh whatever that decision is if it's anything other than I'll come back for another year or whatnot. Um 
I just don't know. I have a feeling that he, I've always thought that he might be at the point of his career where he says, gee, I'll go, um, you know, play, uh, play with, with Oviedo and, and retire there, or I'll go and work with Mikel Arteta and Arsenal. I don't know. He's, I mean, I really don't know what to say. I think, I kind of think that the chances of him returning for another season on the pitch at Virial are not as good as I thought they were a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, me too. I think like almost, I mean, as upsetting as it is, I think almost like the way he sort of suggested that, you know, I'll make up my decision and I'll announce my decision at the end of the season. That's almost like, all right, if he really won't stay at VRL, he would just outright say, I'm going to stay for another season. I'm going to stay at this club. This is all I want. No more. I, I am quite, I will be upset to see him go to Arsenal. I don't know why, but something about it really, really annoys me. And I think it's almost like the Arsenal fans just pruning over the fact that they really want him back. But yeah. then at the end of it, like two years on the bench, I understand they didn't want to take a gamble on him, but they did just leave him out to dry. Like, they didn't let him carry on. They didn't give him a tribunal. So I don't think Arsenal actually treated him that well. And I, I, if I was him, I'd feel betrayed by them rather than feel like, oh, I really want to say goodbye. That's a bit strong, I know. But at the same time, yeah. I just don't think... Well, it's almost like I don't think Arsenal deserve him, you know? <laughs> I, I, I like Mikel Arteta. Uh, the Arteta um, but I, I, and I, I think Santi would be great. I mean, Arsenal need the help. They need all the help they can get. And having Santi there would bring a lot of that. But at the same time, I just don't think they deserve him. You know, we do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I hear, I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think, although I guess you could also use the argument that, you know, at the end, I mean, last year when he played his heart out for us and helped keep us up and was responsible for a lot of keeping us up, um, you know, we, we basically, uh, and I don't remember, I was trying to think back, I don't remember if it was his desire or the club's desire or what, but, you know, he basically just said, okay, so so another year. I mean, I suppose we could have offered him a two- or three-year deal at that point, although at his age that might not have made a lot of sense. I also don't know, I mean, from his standpoint, um, you just don't know what the effects of this – bizarre season and everything have had on him physically either i mean you know is is he when he when he's on the pitch he he looks he looks great is the recovery time after matches to the point where he's saying you know i really maybe what i want to do is be a player coach for for a year or two somewhere i don't know it's it's hard to know or do i want to take a bunch of money and go play with chavi in uh in uh, the middle east i don't know I mean, it's, I think, uh, sorry, I've lost my train of thought all of a sudden, but I think it's almost like, in a sense, and I hate to say this because it goes against what I want, is that I think, in a sense, he's almost kind of holding his back slightly, you know, because he's kind of stopping possibly some of the younger players like Ontiveros, Moy, yeah. developing again, first time football all the time. And that was one of my slight concerns when we first signed him. It was almost like we didn't know where to actually play him. You know, one minute's on the left wing, one centre attacking mid. And mm-hmm. it kind of almost disrupted Kayaka's plans a bit. It's almost like the Alcacer signing disrupted the plans a bit of, because obviously, you know, Kayaka is very much sort of youth orientated. As you mentioned, he was in the youth squad mm-hmm. for VRL in terms of uh, managing them. 
So it's almost like he holds them back slightly. So if, you know, it's almost like, in a sense, Samu is kind of the polar opposite of that. He's so young, he shouldn't be in the starting lineup, but he's in there and he's kind of causing a lot of headaches for us. Where mm. It would be easier if we didn't have that to deal with. Um, you know, you'd have Moy and Ontiveros on the wings and that would be it. But yeah, so that's the, that's the thing. I mean, it's not the case with Bruno. I think Bruno is a lot different story and I can't see Bruno playing for anyone else other than Villarreal. Um, no, but what would you think of Bruno's situation? I think with Bruno, it, it really feels, I mean, he's gotten significant minutes the last couple of matches and I think it really is about, I think both for him and for the club figuring out, can I still do this? Can I do this over the course of a season? Um, you know, game in, game out. And the fact that we're playing matches every three or four days is really kind of a good proxy for what it's like when you're playing one of those seasons where you're in three competitions. So I, th- I think it really depends on, on him. I think he's been, um, it's been fortunate in that we've been, we've had these, um, leads and we've been able to bring him in and he's, you know, I wouldn't say he's doing anything out there terribly outstanding one way or the other, other than the fact he's just out there <laughs> after <laughs> such a long layoff is, you know, it's, it, he's got a lot of rust that he needs to work off. And so I think from the standpoint of the team, it's all, and, and from him, I think both sides kind of want to find out what has he got left. Um, yeah. I mean, he was always one of those players that never, like, he would never come on and absolutely dazzle. He's like, it's like Busquets. I mean, in that defensive mid role, you're never noticed really until like, until you get to the end of the season and realize that he was there the whole time. You know, mm-hmm. he's not, he's not going to come off the bench and be a kind of impact sub or like, you know, you're not a winger or a striker, which is going to make a massive difference. I mean, I suppose if you're like sort of, facing a really attacking side all over again and you bring him on and that stabilizes things a bit more, which it would. But again, yeah, it's like you said, it's, he's not going to sort of stand out. And I suppose that's almost in his favor as well in that role that you, as long as you're mentally there and you're positionally wise, like we said before, he's not going to be sprinting back anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're positionally aware, you don't need speed. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah. I think you tend to notice you would, the, the things, what what I I always think about Bruno thinking back to when he's you know played at his best for us is that yes there will be some some passes through balls that he plays to 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 players that go on and score a goal that's that's really you'll remember that but mostly what you what you notice is as you say it's like at the end of the year you look back and you're like wow this guy you know, led the league in um, ball recoveries or whatever, or he, or you think back to how we just neutralized their mid, the other side's midfield. I think when, when uh, he was playing for Marcelino, you know, there would be times when we would, you would just look at the starting lineup and you would say, well, we've got midfield one because, you know, mm-hmm. because we've got Bruno and, and that would be what would happen. So, but yeah, I think it's, I think it, he could probably, as long as physically he doesn't have a, uh, everything is okay, um, he's in the sort of role where he can probably, um, give it another year or two if that's what he wants. But I think you're right. I don't see him going anywhere else. I think he either retires become, or, you know, does something for the club. Or, you know, maybe he even signs a year deal, but it includes some, you know, 
coaching or something. I don't know. I don't know what his interest in coaching is or, I mean, I know you've got to go and get the coaching badges to do a bunch of stuff. So I don't know what's going on. It doesn't on. seem like almost, I mean, I think someone with that much natural ability, it's almost like he wouldn't want to kind of go into coaching because I suppose it would be almost like, I don't know, it's almost, it would be frustrating for him trying to coach something that's so natural to him. I mean, he, he's the only defensive midfielder I've ever seen play that plays that role like, like an almost centre back. It's almost like he completely covers the midfield on his own as a, like, like a centre back in a kind of lousy defence. Um, and him and Trigueros, I think, play so well together. I yeah. mean, you see, he gets the best out of those attacking midfielders like Santi. Like, you know, if anyone we have that, I mean, to be honest, he's probably got the best out of Zambo as well. I mean, like, I don't know, I don't know about Zambo. It's, it, he confuses me. He's not a centre defensive midfielder and he's not quite a centre attacking midfielder either. It's just point blank confusing. But there was, we had a lot of sort of, there was a lot of conversation about this on the comments section. Uh, how do you feel about Zambo? Do you think we should sign him? Do you think we need to? Or do you think you know, I, it's going to be too expensive? I think it's going to be too expensive unless, I mean, if Fulham stay in the championship, maybe, but even then, I think, I think the problem is there probably are clubs who would be willing to pay the 25 million or whatever it is for him. I, I just, I like him. I don't know if I like him. I, I think part of it is, is kind of, as you say, it's like fitting him where, how to understand him. <laughs> I I'm, I think he's probably a player who could be worth 25 million in the right team. I'm not sure we are that team. And given that we typically, you know, we don't have a huge transfer budget year in year out. I'm I'm not looking at him as saying, okay, this is a definite need. Maybe it is, but. And I'd like to have him, you know, so all things being equal, sure, if I can find a way to buy him, I'd do it. But if if the price is going to stay as it was, I think probably not. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to put it better myself, really. I, I just, it's not that he's bad and it's not I just like him at all. It's just I don't know what to do with him. Um, and I'd rather, if we really have to sign something, I'd rather we sign a position that we're slower, uh, we're, we're very lean on. So centre back is the only one, uh, is the only position I can think of where we really need to actually invest in a centre back. Um, and I yeah. can hear, I can hear Sid, I can hear everyone screaming that they agree with that. Yeah. And you mentioned Zambo and everyone goes quiet. So it's like, I actually, yeah, I, I, not. I guess the problem is that when I think about our midfield and when I think about our our front six, I don't think of – I think of the fact that we have a player like Zambo right now is great, but if we didn't have him, would I – I would use the players we have or I would sign – somebody who I knew I had a real role for, it, it just seems like it's a lot of money for somebody who may be a fairly, uh, I just don't know if you're, I just don't know if if your return on value is that great. I, you know, that's, that's all. Um, and, and I like, but, but 
on the other hand, I like him, <laughs> you know. So if I just wish that there would be a way to get the purchase option down, especially you know, given the COVID nineteen you know world and and reduced income for everybody, but I don't know if there particularly is. I suppose also the the other side of that is as well that I think players clubs are also are going to be very conscious of spending the pennies. They've also got to think how does he fit into their squad as well. You know, it did take us practically three quarters of a season to work out where we should actually play him. Mm-hmm. So I think that they would have seen us and they would have basically scouted it and thought, oh wow, he's pretty good. I mean, it's almost like for me, uh, I'd rather Arsenal take him than Santi Gazzola. Yeah, I mean, Fulham and Arsenal are major rivals. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather see that happen than not. Because I, I, I can just hear people screaming at this and as we talk about it. But it's just it's frustrating because I just don't think he's there. And I actually prefer seeing Trigueros in there than I do prefer seeing... I prefer seeing Trigueros to Zambo. I, I really do. And, like, I suppose if... If we got rid of Ibora and Santi one season and there was definitely a space in midfield, I'd, you know, I think that'd be great. He'd definitely fit in. He'd be fine, you know, slowly work on his defensive work. For me, I get really frustrated when I see him so far up the line. Like, mm-hmm. for me, even a centre midfielder shouldn't be that far up front. And it's always a bit clueless as to where he's going. He makes up the distance because he's such a good sprinter. But I think you put this really well at one point, didn't you? I think he said that Zambu absolutely sprints at sprints down the pitch and then turns around and wonders where where everyone else is <laughs> <laughs> yeah i yeah it, it it he's a he's a he's a, a good player as I just, <laughs> I just have to think that if i'm going to invest well i'm going to say two things one if i'm going to invest 25 million or 20 25 million in a player i'd like it to be a player where i really know that I have a role for them where they can stand out. And also, if I think of the way Virial typically operates, I want it to be a role that if I'm paying 20, 25 million for him now, he's going to shine and impress people enough that in a couple of years, I'll be able to sell him for 40 or 45. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know in this current economic climate and the, and everything else, I don't know that Zombo is that player. Um, I mean, I think going back to the to signing Paco, which I know you had a lot of reservations about, and and so you know, I think all of us did to some degree. Um, the part of the rationale that we came up with for signing him was essentially you were getting a cut rate deal. Well, if it turns out that prices are depressed for the next three or four years, I'm not sure how far how accurate that is. So if you're mm-hmm. signing Zombo now at, at last year's price and you can't move him on for anything close to that, then, then I really don't think Virial will jump because we just aren't interested in investing a ton of money in players like that. I mean, in, in terms of Al, Al Casa, in a weird way, I mean, like I, I definitely, yes, no, I, I didn't understand why we signed him at the time. We were playing 4-3-3, so it just, it didn't fit into that formation, but now we found the supposed security in 442. I can definitely see how he fits in the squad there and then, you know, that mm-hmm. 442 works really well for him and I can see like, you know, if that was always the vision, that's a, that's a great signing if that was always going to be the case. I mean, B- Backer is great, too fair. He's done really, really well when he's come on. I haven't, to be honest, in terms of Backer and Alcasa, I don't think there's been a massive notable amount of difference in the terms of the, 
you know, in the influence on the game. Like if those two started, it, I would be more worried. I'd be worried. Like Gerard for me is absolutely stops like mm-hmm. astounded as all. It's been yeah. brilliant. For me, Bakker and Alcacer are more or less the same in ability and the same kind. I mean, different styles of play. Like Bakker's like a full on war horse, whereas Alcacer's more of a kind of poacher. Yeah. But yeah, I, what, well, I mean, just on the subject of Bakker, do you, do you think we'll keep Bakker for another season or what? Because I, I don't know. He, he doesn't seem happy, but then he comes on the pitch and he smiles. So it's very difficult I don't to tell. I, you know, I've heard that he, that he and his family were really happy in Villarreal. I can't remember who told me that, but you know, I remember kind of hearing that that's the case. You know, he's certainly, um, I, I think part of the deal when we took him was we took on a very high salary. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of don't see, I don't kind of don't see it. I mean, I'm not sure why, um, it gets into this whole question of what do you do since again, we kind of through not our totally our own fault missed out on a chance at promotion with the B team. What do you do with players like, uh, Fer Nino, for example? Do you loan them out to a Segunda side? Do you, um, and we've got Ennis Unal to consider. I mean, we've got, I, I kind of feel as though this brief off season, they're going to have to be a lot of decisions made about, about some of these, um, what we think our future strike force looks like in addition to Gerard and Paco. And so I think probably, see, Baca's contract is, is it up this year or is it up next year? I can't remember. I'm not sure, but it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, he's he, he's at that age, isn't he, where it would be more one-year contracts, and he's definitely been with us. I mean, one year now, so I, I'm not really sure. But I suppose, yeah, I, I, I'd be. I could see what I could see would be Enezunal and Baca both moving on, and then just using Fernino as the possible second striker as the reserve striker. That for me would sort it out. I can't see an out because Arnau's played a lot of games for Deportivo, hasn't he? And he's been really good for them. I can't see him coming back and wanting to be a sub. You know, um, he's got to that age where he should really be first team striker. Uh, he's yeah. definitely got that where he is. So maybe that would be a full time move for him. I don't know. Yeah, actually, Baca's contract goes through 2022. Okay, we signed him oh. to a four year deal. So, okay, yeah. So I think probably. Um, I think, you know, I think probably Unal to me is the, is the guy who's, who's the most obvious one to move on. Um, because I just don't see that we're going to play the type of, he, he does, he does well at Valladolid in a, in a more of a almost solo, um, striker, hold the ball up kind of player. And I, and, and he, and their club is, is, is much differently set up than ours is on the pitch. I mean, it, it, I, I just don't know that I see him contributing, um, for us. If we've got Paco and Gerard, I think he's going to struggle to get minutes. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think maybe we end up, if Baca is happy, I guess, I think Gunal is the, is the more likely of the two to, to want to move because mm. He has been, as you say, he has been starting for um, pretty much a year and a half now for Valladolid. So coming back to Villarreal and sitting on the bench isn't going to seem like a real positive development. Baca, I think, is probably um, happy unless 
he decides he wants to there was a rumor at one point that he might go back to one of the teams in Colombia and sort of finish off his career there. And I suppose he could do that, but those teams can't pay what we pay and they can't pay us a lot of transfer fee either. So I don't feel like that's something that we're going to look to do unless he says, Hey, you know, I, I've really enjoyed Spain, but I want to move on. So I kind of think he may he may stick around and maybe maybe your four strikers are are uh the three and and fair nino i i would be and i and i oh, would uh, huh? <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised i mean we often end up loaning uh, loaning players of fair's age for a year or so to see how they develop and so I'd prefer him to stay with us, but I could see that happening. I mean, that's we did that with Gerard. We loaned him to Mallorca. Mm. Yeah, I was just thinking the same. That's, and it worked out pretty well for him. I, I do, I do feel Fernino's got like a lot of future in front of him, and I think he he could do that. I'm more confident about him than Enes Unal. I do like Unal. I, I, I did like him when we signed him. I didn't know anything about him, but I did like him. I could see him like he. He, when I've seen him on like Instagram and Twitter and stuff, he seems to be enjoying actually play. He like seems to like Valladolid. I remember when they were sort of, I think they were battling against relegation last season, if I remember rightly, or they were very low, low at the bottom at one point. And he, and he kind of, you know, he's very passionate about them staying up and stuff. So if that's the case, um, but yeah, I, I actually, I don't, apart from seeing the centre back, I, I don't think we're, I don't, I hope we don't really sign anyone because I'm not sure we need to. Uh, obviously, there'll be the whole debate about Zambu, but you know, if we do get a centre back cheap enough, and they want to keep Zambu, I could see that happening. Um, but it's really hard to imagine, really, at this point. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's hard to say. Let's just um, let's let's close out with one real quick um, thing. What do you think is going to happen when we play Barcelona? You want to give a score prediction? Uh, Barcelona will cheat somehow and get like a last minute penalty. Uh, Messi or Suarez will be responsible for that, um, and then we'll lose probably two two one um, against Barcelona. I'm just I'm very anti Barcelona and very cynical because they I still remember several games where they I just think they've cheated quite badly. So I'm quite happy to say on 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 a podcast live on air I think Barcelona will cheat and get in, get a last minute goal or a very very iffy goal and uh, win the game. Cynical Robin tonight. <laughs> yeah, well. I'm going to go for two two, just uh, but with this, but with uh, I, some of the same feeling that I I think that their let's just say their gamesmanship is is well developed. Um, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. So, um, but you know, I think the, the nice thing is is that we don't we're we're in the position here with uh, where if we can pick up, you know, if we can pick up probably four points in our remaining five matches will be in Europe. And I think that's, I think that's probably the case. Um, and that's, so it's nice to play, to play Barcelona. I would be a lot more worried if we were playing them knowing that we basically had to run to take, run the table, you know? So, um, but I was there from the other angle, aren't they? That they, they really want to be Madrid. So they'll go all guns blazing to try and beat us, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I enjoy stopping them doing that. So that's good for me. (laughs) 
Well, last last time, of course, this was this was quite the match. So hopefully um, this year we can we can do well. And um, you know, Trigueros is usually good for a goal or an, or an assist against them. He he always seems to have a good game against Barcelona. So um, ex ex Barcelona youth as well, I think I'm right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe we can get a point here. I'm, I, I hope so anyway. Yeah, so anyway, great. Yeah, so great talking to you, and uh, we'll we'll catch up next week. So yeah, end of the Yeah, have a good evening, everyone.